You were at a retreat last week, weren't you, Peter? I was at a retreat last week and it was absolutely fantastic. You, f- you look refreshed. You, you're kind of <laughs> glowing. So it did its job. Well, thank you for that. Like Mark normally wouldn't even comment on something like that. So He's such a boy. <laughs> look, we're talking about glowing. We're looking at uh, the body's largest organ. I find it fascinating, skin. Yeah, well, look, as we were saying in the break, skin's something that a lot of people spend a lot of money on treating it topically. Mm. But the secret to really good skin is, you know, shine from within. You've really got to get your internal system, your good gut health particularly, in tip-top order to really have good skin. So, Okay, well, that's what we're going to be looking at. Welcome to the show, Anne, in Mount Hutton. What's your question? I'd like to know what time of a night should we stop eating before we retire? Yeah, hi, Anne, and that's a really, really great question. And I would say the ideal time to have been finished eating by is 7 o'clock. 7? Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, our, di- oh, no. our digestion <laughs> our digestion actually slows down of the night time, as you can imagine, getting us ready for bed. And um, so if we have a big dinner of a night time, which we do in our Western culture, and then eat too late and then go to bed, we've all got that food, we've got that, all that food sitting in our digestive tract and, you know, causing all sorts of grief while we're asleep. So, yeah, before 7 o'clock and then to not eat anything then, hopefully till maybe mid-morning the next morning. What about breakfast? <laughs> And Anne, it's very hard to fit dessert in by 7pm, isn't it? I reckon. <laughs> yeah, so maybe we've got to start a bit earlier. But I like I like the concept of what's called time-restricted eating where you don't eat after 7 and then you try and have breakfast maybe about 9.30 or 10.30 the next morning. So you've given your body a really good chance to do some healing and some detoxing and, um, yeah, getting the body back in order. I'd be starving by then. Well, try. You should see how thin I am. <laughs> well, maybe oh. um, some people some people struggle to do that, but maybe just push it back a little bit if you can. Okay, but All definitely right, not then. after seven o'clock of a night time. If you want to have a good night's sleep, <sighs> there goes okay. the Tim Tams on the lounge. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, while watching the crime shows. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Four nine two one six two one six. While we're talking about uh, Tim Tams and chocolate and, and our topic <laughs> now today... Now, you were, you were talking about Tim oh, Tams yeah, and sorry, chocolate, Sorry, I was doing that. We were talking about... Well, what we're going to talk about is skin. Myth or, or fact, when you eat chocolate, you can have breakouts in the skin. Um, look, definitely if someone has a potential towards acne, um, then chocolate or sugar definitely is not good. Feeds the wrong types of bacteria. And I know that's been an argument for a long time, but... For some people, definitely chocolate and sugar will um, flare up their acne. Okay, there mm-hmm. you go. We've we've heard it here. Now we know. So look, looking at the skin, and there's a big connection to the skin and uh, the gut. Well, look, us us naturopaths, are, as you know, always gut mad when we're talking about health. Yeah, you are. And um, you know, great skin really starts in the gut. Um, our gut and skin are in constant communication in a relationship known as the gut-skin axis. So. The balance of bacteria in our gut is actually talking to the balance of bacteria on our skin. Okay. And our skin bacteria is very responsible for what's called the acid mantle. And that acid mantle, the pH of our skin, plays a big role in the growth of different types of bacteria as well. So if you want to have good skin, you really need to have good gut health. Um, the second thing the bacteria does is def- different types of bacteria release compounds that actually have an anti-inflammatory effect in the body and on the skin as well. And if stress 
or dietary stuff upsets the balance of bacteria, that's very much reflected then with the bacteria on the skin and you're more likely to get inflammatory skin conditions as well. Is that why people get cold sores, for example, when they're stressed, if they suffer from cold sores? Uh, look, to a certain degree, that's to do with immunity on the skin, but it's also cold sores are an internal virus that present on the skin. So it's more with cold sores. I always say it's like if your immune system's here and the cold sores in your system, um, then you, the virus won't break out. But if your immune system gets run down, right. then the virus is going to come out. It's going to break out where it's broken out before. But that's a little bit different. But it's still, when we talk about gut health, 60 to 70% of your immune system is based around the gut. The gut. So if your gut's out of balance, if you're getting digestive symptoms, and an interesting um, study I was reading was saying that a, a high percentage of kids or people that get acne or um, acne rosacea or even dermatitis yeah. have a lot of gut issues as well. So there's definitely a connection between the, even, between the two. you know, with eczema and that sort of thing, you'll often find there's multiple things. The asthmatics, you know, usually suffer from eczema. Um, yep. they're, they're, they're all connected as well. So it's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, and it all relates back to that that immune system response because you know i'll often see kids with eczema and you know explain to the their mums that eczema is not really a skin condition it's an immune problem that's expressing on the skin right. but the driver often for that can be you know this is how stress can play a role as well but the driver often is what's going on with the gut and that balance of good and bad bacteria in the gut as well as you know, food intolerances and other things going on as well. Well, Peter, look, when we come back, uh, let's chat more about this because people spend a fortune on their skin. You know, there's there's nothing that we don't put in our skin these days. But really, as you said, it all comes back to what we're doing inside and um, it's treated by health practitioners more yeah, than absolutely. anything else. So absolutely. So, and... yeah, to have good skin, you need to be working from the inside out as well as your good quality um, external treatments as well. Now, we were talking about gut health and what a crucial role that plays in, in having good skin. Good skin, yeah. What else is connected to having good-looking skin and skin that looks healthy? Well, look, from, a, from a, again, a, a, a systemic point of view, a naturopathic point of view, we're looking at gut health, the balance of good, ba good bacteria, the benefits of taking a probiotic. I was telling you about a study I just came across where they were looking using probiotics to treat people with skin conditions and the great results they were getting just from something as simple as that. There's also our lymphatic system. So you know when people get, ladies particularly, get acne around that jawline? That yes. can be due to congestion or toxicity from a lymphatic point of view. And okay. the lymphatic system benefits from um, movement, exercise. So exercise is really important. Um, whenever we talk about gut and skin, we always talk about the liver. As yeah, well, that can be a good indication if something's going wrong. Yeah, well, the liver liver's like a pool filter. So imagine when you were 20, you've got this brand new pool filter and it doesn't matter what you chuck in the pool, the next day it's all beautiful and clean again. Yeah. So as we get older, but just generally the liver, you know, responds well to reducing caffeine. Like caffeine makes your skin look tired and increases aging in your skin. Alcohol is a really big skin ager. Uh-oh. Bad news, but alcohol is a toxin and it will affect your skin health. Sure. And um, the other really big one is um, stress. Yeah. Okay. And you know, you know when someone comes back from holidays and you look at them and you think, what, have you had a facelift? Like what have you done? You look yes. so much more relaxed. Your skin's glowing. 
like that's the benefit of stepping out of our normal routine and um you know getting away from the the humdrum like you and look the busyness now after your retreat exactly thank you yeah. exactly yeah now the other um other areas that can play a big role are things like um hormonal hormonal balance now when acne's probably one of the most treated skin conditions in the western world and hormones particularly the male or the more male like hormones the androgens play a big role in women that get acne as well so um and these androgens increase inflammation which causes all sorts of problems with um, increased sebum production and hence increased but um, bacteria then eating the sebum or whatever they do and increasing that inflammation so you've got to get the hormonal balance right there as well absolutely so, um, Peter, some of the other big things we should be doing. So we, we're checking out um, our hormones and making sure that they're balanced. What else do we need to look at to make sure that our well, health and from, skin reflects From a, a dietary point of view, things like, um, you know, we were talking before about, particularly around acne or outbreaks, about is chocolate really the, a culprit? Yeah. And it definitely is. Um, dairy products, I find, is often a culprit when it comes to acne. Okay. And for I know this sounds anecdotal, but a lot of my patients that I see that have eczema don't tend to do well with dairy protein no. either. And I know it's a bit of an old wives' tale, but it, you know, a large proportion of patients seem to improve cutting out that dairy protein. But dairy, um, cow's milk. So cow's milk is a common food intolerance. It contains a substantial amount of hormones. We forget that that cow's milk is, you know, trying to turn baby calves into big steers or big cows within a 12-month period. Mm. So we've got increased um, growth hormone, androgen precursors, um, and dairy works on or it can have an effect on increasing insulin and insulin-like growth factor um, that both stimulate the production of oil in the sebaceous gland, which can contribute. And then um, sugar, sugar as well, excess sugar or refined carbs, increase blood sugar and also increase insulin. And as we said, insulin increases that oil production. So... The sugar, I think, does feed the, you know, bad bacteria tend to thrive on sugar, but it's the hormone-like effects that the sugar has on the insulin and the dairy has on the insulin that probably are more inflammatory when it comes to acne. So you've got increased male hormones and increased insulin. And what we're seeing a lot of in a lot of young women these days is an increase in PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, Yes, which are hallmarked by increase in testosterone or androgens and increase in insulin as well so polycystic is the perfect storm in some respects for fertility issues and skin issues and carbohydrates and sugar feeds that as yeah well. yeah drives yeah. that okay. you know and the way we correct that is by re- re- avoiding those foods but then losing five kilos and you can make a massive difference so so peter people um that are listening you know might have bad skin or their children or grandchildren it's not just about uh the creams we're going to get to treat our face it's also taking the time to have a look and go you know what what are we eating what might we be, yeah, um, you know, yeah, needing looking, to cut out of the diet. Looking for what are the what are the drivers or what are the underlying triggers is the trigger because everybody's an individual as well. Like it's not there's not just one diet for everybody that has skin conditions and such a wide range of skin conditions as well. But um, there's definitely. Um, yeah, finding the underlying cause for sure. Well, when we come back, let's talk about environment and genetics, how much that plays on your skin as mm, definitely. well. Um, and how to heal some skin issues. How to, That's it. And I guess we're looking at um, environment and genetics amongst other things as well. 
Well, look, definitely when it comes to acne, there's a, seems to be a genetic predisposition. No one understands it fully, but like you'll see that you know kids that get acne often, mum had acne or dad had acne. Okay. So that we do inherit that predisposition for problems with those male hormones and sebum and um, uh, yeah, that just the precursors for developing conditions like that. And definitely, we know with you know as we were saying earlier, sinus asthma, eczema, and hay fever does tend to run in families as well. So there's a hereditary predisposition there that people sort of inherit but so but it's how you manage it like you know we always say that our genes aren't our destiny it's very much these days about what we call epigenetics okay or which is above the genes so our genes are more likely to become problematic when we come in contact with trauma or environmental toxins yeah yeah so when we talk about the skin so emotional emotional stress can can affect our genes um, personal care products, cleaning products, perfumes. You know, a lot of the foods, drinking out of water bottles where we're drinking those um, plasticizers, which yeah, are of estrogenic in nature as well. Um, dust, mold, all of these external elements can be triggering and exacerbating the skin condition. So some of my patients that have eczema are really also highly reactive to dust mite. Yeah, So yes. you've got to make sure that you don't have carpet on the floor, that you've got shutters not curtains or blinds and a really big one these days when we're talking about environmental triggers for that atopy is a mold yeah that causes all sorts of problems all sorts of problem and newcastle is actually a little bit of a hot spot with the floods we've had over the years as well and um, one way to see whether mold is a problem is to go into the room if you suspect mold in a bedroom look on the back of your bedside tables and if you shine your torch, your torch light on your phone across the surface, you'll see the mould that you won't see without the light. Really? Mm. Mm. Okay, that's a good one So you to can test. sort of detect if there is a mould problem on back of bed heads and, you know, if kids have got chronic um, sinus and hay fever, you need, really need to check all those things out. Well, Peter, let's go to the phones. Yep. Uh, we do have a couple of phone calls. Uh, so Louise in Maitland. Welcome, Louise. Now, you wanted to talk about hormones and dairy milk. What's your question? What I'm wondering is um, when Peter was saying that um, dairy milk can affect your hormones... Yes, Hi, Louise. I'm wondering if that... Oh, hi, how are you going? Good, thank you. I'm wondering if that can cause facial hair. Look, I wouldn't expect that that would be strong enough to cause facial hair, but increased facial hair often occurs as, um, you know, hormones like estrogen and progesterone start to diminish and we do start to get more of those male hormones. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be more changes happening in your body other than right, just, the, okay. just the dairy products. But worthwhile getting your hormones tested just to see what's going on. Okay. Thank you for the call, Louise, and we'll take one more call. Uh, Susan, you've got a question for Peter as well about a type of oil. Yes. Fire away. Uh, yes, I've, I heard something on the news. I didn't catch all of it about safflower oil being um, a problem with the uh, pregnant women. I'm 75. I don't, I'm not pregnant. It's <laughs> not you're not worried about it yourself. <laughs> no, but um, I make raspberry muffins that use safflower oil, and I'm just wondering, do you know the latest on that on safflower oil? No, Susan, I don't. I haven't heard about safflower oil, but um, I'm a I'm a big fan for whenever you use oil, even for cooking, always use organic and cold pressed. 
Yes. So if any oil that I come across that says vegetable oil or canola oil or, you know, if they just call it vegetable oil but they don't tell you what's exactly in it, I try and st- yes. or trans fats, um, I always try and steer clear of those oils and opt more for a cold-pressed organic oil. So organic, I'd, yeah. I'd just change over and try something different in your muffins. They sound lovely, though. Yeah, look, um, I'd be happy to try them out for you as well, Susan. <laughs> Thank you for the call. Well, Peter, I guess um, that's about it. We're just about out of time. But the bottom line is if you are having issues with, with acne or dermatitis or another condition, find out the root of the cause before you go spending yeah, all sorts of money Yeah, dive a bit deeper. Dive a dip, bit, bit deeper and find out you know what your internal health is like and you know you can't get away from getting onto uh the benefits of getting onto a low inflammatory diet which is you know high plant-based as much as possible good quality proteins cutting out the sugar in the processed food like that's a great start already when it comes to healthy skin all right thank you so much we'll catch up with you next week thank you sarah my pleasure thanks for listening to this podcast from 2nurfm at the university of newcastle Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2nurfm.com.